You guys doing all right? I'm good. Yeah, all good. Another good win there. Very good. Very cool. Uh, this is a... I, I'll do the rundown for today's show by memory. Because it's like a whole big list of five. And it's impressive. All right? So uh, we are going to start with uh, our reaction to the big win at Goodison against the footballing powerhouse that is Huddersfield. All right? Next... We will be speaking with Jimmy Geoghan, all right, who has written a book, Greatest Games, Everton, the, the Toffees 50 Finest Matches, all right? We've got an interview with him. It's pretty cool, all right? So, yeah, you should definitely stay tuned for that one, all right? Next, we've got... Uh, I'm not doing it from memory, I guess. <laughs> next, we... <laughs> next, we, we're going to dig into uh, Everton's recent transfer rumors, because you know what? It's December. And we should be allowed to talk about transfer rumors in December because the window's in January. You know, if this was September, everybody would be talking all kinds of jive, saying, no, it's too early, what's wrong with you? But you know what, it's December. We're allowed. It's an unwritten rule, all right? Uh, next, uh, we, ha- we are going to go over our strongest 11 because it seems like it's been this big topic of discussion for us all season long. We don't know who our best players are. We don't know who our, what our set formation should be. So you know what? We all voted on every one of our players and we know who our 11 best players are now because you know doing the four of us votes it should be an accurate cross-section of an Evertonian fan base okay so there's that lastly we're going to do a preview of this sort of painful but now kind of fun Apollon match coming up this Thursday um I'm actually kind of psyched because maybe some, some players are going to get to play and haven't played for a while. This could be a positive for them. You know? Unnecessary games are kind of okay now that we've won two in a row. That's, that's madness. All right? Uh, yeah. And, and, and that's it. And that's going to be the show. And if you want more, call me. And you can listen to me talk about nothing for a while. All right? So, let's get started. Huddersfield. Hi. Jerry here. So, normally, you would be hearing me and Dave and Max give our reactions to the awesome win against Huddersfield, but sadly, uh, I can't give you that right now uh, because uh, the footage was lost. Uh, So instead, I'll let you know what happened in those videos, and uh, so so you can have the experience, you know, I don't want you to, to miss out. In short, Max... Just it was like nonstop gloating about the fact that he predicted the final score two to zero. He knew it. Uh, he's now going by Mystic Max, and that's uh, what we're all going to have to call him from now on. Apparently, additionally, David found it to be a, a very important game, and that uh, he, was, he was happy we won. He really went out on a limb with his opinions here, and me. Uh, I I was. It, it, incredibly impressed by Big Sam's earpiece 
and uh, and the fact that it, it was quite quite clear that he used to work at the Gap as a greeter. And I'm serious. I actually liked the earpiece seriously. It, it showed me that it, it made me at least think he had plans, and that was neat to see that out of our manager. That's that's really all you you missed. And we all three uh, thought that Sammy Lee jumping up and down on the sideline was kind of cool, but Max is still really hesitant to say he's one of our own just yet. All right? So, yeah, there it is. Sorry the footage was lost. Uh, yeah, we'll move on to the next segment, which is actually a real segment now. Yay. Joining me today... Uh, we have a, a very special guest. Um, we are joined by Jimmy Keoghan, all right, uh, who has who's written a book, uh, Greatest Games Ever in the Toffees, fi- 50 fa- Finest Matches, all right? Uh, so, Jimmy, thanks a lot for being here, man. That's okay. <laughs> um, we also have with us, as as we tend to do, we've got, uh, we've got David and Max on the line, all right? So, guys, you doing all right? Yeah. All good, thank you. All good. Looking forward to speaking to Jim. Uh, <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed his book, so I'm interested to have a chat with him about that one. All right, so uh, so David, go ahead and uh, you take the lead, and let's uh, let's find out a little bit more about about uh, Jim's book. Hi, Jim. You're all good. Yeah, all good. Thanks. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I must say I thoroughly enjoyed this book. Um, uh, I mean, plenty of highs, some lows, of course. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose it part and parcel be an Everton fan, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But yet the um, the insight throughout was just fantastic, yeah, especially in those earlier chapters. I mean, I, I'm interested to see how you got so much detail in there. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and then you know, going through the the 30s, uh, 50s, then on onto the. I was lucky uh, going the game that I was I was surrounded by an older generation, shall we say? So a lot of the 60s 70s onwards i kind of heard of some of those games you know the the latchford walks on water uh, andy's Ark king etc um but then yeah, going into the kind of golden era of the 80s was fantastic as well um you know with those wembley derbies although we only managed to win that one that you alluded to um but then yeah into the 90s as well um whereas i started going in the late 90s so as of kind of including coventry onwards uh, I got to go to to a lot of those games, so it was just uh, from a personal point of view, it was fantastic, kind of reliving those those games through the pages and in such a well written manner as well. Uh, so, firstly, congratulations! It's a great book. Cheers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, firstly, why and what inspired you to write this particular book? Um, well, I've written one previously, um, Highs, Lows of Bakayoko's, which mm-hmm. dealt with the uh, just the 90s, really, which, you know, I think as, as most blues who lived through that uh, now, was, you know, quite a challenging decade to be an Evertonian. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, as the title says, there were lots of highs, but there were also plenty of lows. So I think after doing that, I wanted, as a fan, to just kind of go back uh, through our history and maybe write a slightly more enjoyable book for, uh, mm-hmm. for me personally by, you know, seeing... Um, like the the journey this kind of amazing club has taken, and also um, partly like I think when you when you're a football supporter, you obviously you know when you start following a club, you are aware from that point on of what your club does, and yet as you as you, as you said before, you're sort of also aware of things from the past, but maybe you don't know them in too much detail. 
So, I mean, I sort of came of age in the 80s and 90s, and so I knew stories from my mom and dad about the 70s and the 60s and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but not in great detail. So I wanted to sort of go back and find out more, and go even further back and go into kind of the world of like Tommy Lawton and Dave Hicks and Dixie mm-hmm. Dean, and, and go right back to the start of, you know, how this football club here, you know, playing park football one minute, suddenly become a football league founding member, which was an amazing journey. I wanted to kind of find out how that came about, how the split happened with Liverpool, all these things. So just personally, I wanted to kind of uh, go on Everton's journey myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that because, I mean, leading on to really my next question, I, I was going to say, you know, in terms of some of these these games you look back on and indeed the stories, was there any that really stuck out for you as a personal favourite? Because I know for me, I was I found it quite funny when, um, you, I think it was in Dixie's 60 you were talking about, uh, Dixie Dean had the motorbike accident and missed a lot of the season as a result of yeah. the injury from it. Um, and then I think it was Ted Sager was talking about smoking pipes and cigarettes prior to the yeah. to the FA Cup final yeah. in, in 33. I mean, as you can imagine, compared to the players of today, you just couldn't comprehend that now. I mean, what was there any kind of, especially of those earlier chapters, um, stories that really stood out for you, uh, personal yeah. favourites? Yeah, the, well, there's two. Really. The, the first one was the the first league derby between the two clubs, mm-hmm. where um, the Everton board was so kind of motivated to get a win that day. The win bonus that day was a silk hat, <laughs> yeah. which you know really really screams of, of a, a, an age that's gone. Um, and the second one was um, uh, Dixie's 60th goal. When you think about how like uh, players celebrate today, just scoring a goal or just getting a winner. And he does this uh, amazing feat. So not only did Everton win the league that day, largely because of his goals, he breaks this record, which you know seemed like it couldn't be broken. And um, there's no like, there's no dancing or hugging. He just gets a little handshake off yeah. his fellow players. <laughs> and then at the end of the game, where a lot of players would wait to be mobbed, he told the um, the ref that he was going off for the piss and disappeared, <laughs> and that was it. He was gone. And you're thinking. Uh, you know, you, you, it's, uh, that's almost unimaginable compared to the modern day football that these kind of really uh, kind of subdued figures who just sort of take it all in their stride and there's no histrionic and there's no, you know, wild celebration. You just sort of do the job and that's what it is and you know, that's what you pay to do. And I thought uh, that th- those two things to me really, I mean, I know it's a long time ago, but they really show a, different, a completely different sort of game, really. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I totally agree. And I did find that quite funny myself when I was having a look at that. But, um, I mean, just quickly before we move on, I couldn't get over it. I'd heard this before, but I don't think it really hit home until I was reading about it. How unlucky Everton were in terms of these the both world wars. Um, yeah. Obviously, obviously, I know you'll probably give a bit more detail for me, but uh, for, for anyone who's listening, sorry. But to, 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 have, to win the league and then have two world wars break out on two separate occasions um i mean <laughs> it, it, the term ever and that it, it couldn't be more applicable um and you do you do kind of wonder maybe what could have been in terms of our overall league title tally um if that didn't happen on both on, on those occasions yeah I, well i think going through like our history it's it's um it's amazing how much uh, how much better we could have been i mean there are mm. so many times when we've Almost won league titles, come close to FA Cup uh, victories, come close to getting more um, uh, FA Cup final appearances. But I mean, those two really stick out because 
what club has that level of misfortune? To me, yeah. it's, it's, you know, very few clubs put together title winning sides. Everton have done it there two occasions, and both times, um, the um, world wars broken out, and obviously, on both occasions afterwards, the club uh, performed very poorly. So after the first world war, for the next say, I don't know, like six, six, seven years, we struggled, and then after the, the second world war, we struggled and then went down. So on, on two occasions, not only did not only did we kind of you know not maybe unable to build on the momentum of having a tight win inside, uh, we also you know greatly suffered the uh, readjustment afterwards. Yeah. You think in, in our history when you when you include the European ban in the mid eighties, that's that's three occasions where Everton have had fantastic sides broken apart through no fault of their own. Which is mm. now when you think about the long history of football, I, I can't you know there are very few clubs who on the pitch uh, enjoy that level of misfortune. Yeah, I mean it's heartbreaking, really, isn't it? Really, <laughs> you is, think about yeah. it. Um, yeah, and then it, what I like about the book is it, it it does really cover a lot of the Everton heroes. I mean, you get the obvious ones like your Dixie Deans, but I mean, I, I'm thinking more maybe post-war now with the Campbell yeah. kid, you know, um, Andy King, Bob Latchford. Was there anybody that you found? I don't know. You almost had a new appreciation appreciation for after reading researching and obviously writing about them yeah i think uh alex young was the one that really stuck out yeah. because again he's, he, he, I don't, i'm not sure he gets kind of, kind of uh, lost in time but i mean dean gets mentioned a lot and, and hickson as well but when i talk to people who uh, were kind of following everton especially when they're kind of uh, if they're younger in the 60s and when they when, when they talk about young they, just, they sort of come alive and you get yeah. the sense uh, but I, mean, I think I interviewed uh, George McCain, uh, and he was uh, just uh, the passion that comes across uh, when they're talking about Young. It's like I think they view him as the greatest player they've ever seen. And I think, mm-hmm. in, in, I mean, I think because Everton was successful in the sixties, maybe his impact doesn't get appreciated so much. And I certainly didn't know, I didn't know a great deal about him. I was aware of Everton being good in the sixties, and I was aware of uh, kind of recent Everton heroes and the big uh, figures in the past. He's sort of didn't so much pass me by, but I didn't really get a handle on him, and so it yeah. was, it was interesting finding out just um, kind of just you know what sort of player was because he's a very different Everton number nine. You think of you know Dean and Lawton and then Hickson and then Latchford and Sharp and Gray and Ferguson. These kind of terrace heroes were kind of big hard number nines. Whereas Young was just incredibly skillful. He wasn't he wasn't like a batter and I mean, he wasn't particularly good in the air but he was he could dance around players with both feet and he was incredibly graceful and um and a joy to watch and i i found it enjoyable to kind of not just find out more but to to, to kind of appreciate what these fans uh, felt about it and, it, and they idolized him yeah i mean he was almost ahead of his, his time really wasn't he yeah um, yeah that's the, you that's the impression it. you get yeah yeah um yeah Fantastic. And obviously, we move on. I think you alluded to it before about when you started going the game yourself. Just out of yeah. curiosity, uh, what was your first game out of the 50 that you listed? Uh, out of the 50? I mean, my first game was um, Howard Kendall's first game in charge, but oh, probably okay. um, I think that, that was a 3 1 against Birmingham. Um, out of 50. Uh, probably I'll the put you um, on the spot a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. Just, just just trying to think. I think it, it it's probably the um, 84, 85 season. So probably the Man U game would be my first one. I think from uh, that was, that, list, was that, I think. that was that five 0 
That's right, yeah. When it kind of, yeah. uh, I think when, when it first becomes um, uh, apparent that, uh, actually that isn't true, that, hang on, no, that was second. The first one was the um, was the 1-0 uh, victory over, over Liverpool at the, in the uh, Charity Shield. I think that was the first one from oh, that list. Oh, oh yeah. you left that one? Yeah. Oh. That was my first time. at would uh, be Wembley. the last time we beat them there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I I can recall then I got you know a sense of excitement amongst uh, like Iman and Dad and their mates that you know I think they they lived through the seventies and all kind of the false dawns. I think mm-hmm. even as a young lad, I, I could get the sense that they were thinking that this is something different here. And then you know, obviously as that season goes on, uh, you, I, I remember just you know. Uh, like he'd gone to match and then he'd, he'd take you to the pub afterwards and he and was so kind of pumped up with what was happening. I'm, I'm not sure they'd seen anything quite like it before. Such a kind of exciting season, such an mm. exciting side as well. It was, uh, it was infectious, really. Yeah, it was a fantastic decade. Typically one that comes just before my birth. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, then... <sighs> One thing I did want to know, uh, I can imagine it would, must have been a difficult decision kind of picking up the 50. Um, yeah. Was there any kind of close calls, you know, ones who made the substitute bench almost, to use a terrible term there, but um, was there any that you thought maybe on another day they might have got in there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, actually, the, that 1984-85 that season, you could pick so many games from mm. that year and, because they're probably better games to watch than some of the ones that made it but because you sort of you don't want to just concentrate on that kind of golden period uh, too much and you want to include different decades there's one game uh, which I can recall I want to see when we beat Sunderland 4-1 and it was just like um, it just seemed to embody everything that was great about that mm. Everton team in uh, 85 but you know you can't have that in there and Rotterdam and Bayern and QPR and all the rest of them so that didn't make it and um I really wanted to include one from recent seasons because I felt like I didn't just want to end it on the uh, Oviedo game because yeah. I thought like you know you, you want something that you can um, you know people can can tap into from recent memory and so I kind of thought about the four nil against City last season but mm-hmm. actually thinking about it it didn't really kind of um, ignite anything Where, where's that Oviedo game sort of um, Sort of uh, captured that season, the, fear, the fearlessness of a, of a, the Martinez's first season, yeah. kind of in that game. Whereas actually, whilst it was great to be City four 0 what that season really amounts to, not a lot. And then when, when then when you think about what what came afterwards, I'm really glad I didn't put it in because actually, yeah. it was you know there was the kind of cumulative evolution amounted to nothing at all. So it would have, I think, if they put it in there, it would have felt a bit wrong in the end compared to the rest of them. Yeah, well, funny enough, I was going to ask about that. I mean, I know you were you you were reading the, the book. You were toying with, with maybe putting that game in. Um, I mean, I agree with you not putting it in. I think um, it was a great game on its own merit, but in terms of maybe the season, yeah, I have to agree. I think it didn't end up really resulting in anything. Um, but then, I suppose what I'd like like to know really hypothetical here, but you know. Uh, do you think you could ever get 51 this season and what would the players or team have to achieve? Because I know you say it's never black and white, I agree, in terms of what makes a great game, but is there something that you could think would really, would have got you got you up to 51 in a particular game if they won a certain game this season, maybe a, an Anfield win or something like that? Yeah, well, there you go. Exactly 
No, I think it had to be something um, out of the ordinary. So it had to be like a cup final or a cup final victory. To win at Anfield, I mean, I I, I included the uh, the Kevin Campbell um, uh, derby in there. And like I can recall at that game, if you know, if you said to to me then, it'll be nearly twenty years before we get to get <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you know, prior to that I think that our worst spell had been fourteen years, which had been the seventies. But actually, you know, in the seventies Liverpool were amazing. So you sort of yeah. you know, it's not nice to lose there, but you sort of expect it. When mm-hmm. you think of the last two decades, Liverpool have been there for the taking of times and we've yeah. uh, but this, we seem to have got the self-imposed mental block when it comes to Anfield that no other team seems to have. So, like, yeah. you go there, really, I think, Everton start the season sort of like three points down because those three points are off the table to, to begin with, and they put kind of three points up. I yeah, I if, agree with that. If, if, we, if we could go there on uh, on the weekend and get some... Get, especially when you think of where the club has been recently, you think that, that that's often what makes something great. It's not just a case of... of, of a team going and winning a, a good game, it's just the kind of story. So if we were to go from being like uh, woeful as we were three weeks ago to suddenly, you know, I mean, obviously talking about relegation and you know for the time being the bottom three to going to Anfield where we can't win a game in, two, in, in nearly two decades and get a win, that makes it a, a kind of a, a more interesting story too. So whilst yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think we will win. Uh, yeah. Again, but like it, it would be, it, you know, to beat for for this team now to beat that Liverpool team would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's one of them, isn't it? And you'll know better than anyone. I think football just has a way of throwing up these narratives sometimes, doesn't it? And yeah, that's the thing I've cl- I'm clinging on to going into Sunday is just, uh, you know, although it has been over these last nearly twenty years, it's not always cut and dry, is and. Things just have a way of working, and I think with Amaja coming in, who no nobody particularly wanted, and he's, you know, as you said, we're talking re- talking about relegation now. We, we look like we're turning around a little bit. Um, I think it would be writing on the wall to go maybe nick a one nil win there. But I've been saying that for the last ten years. Every time we go there, we get turned over. So yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm not sure, but yeah, I, think, I agree. I think that that would that would make a great chapter in the book if we could. If we could nick one there on Sunday, um, but I, I mean, I don't want to. I, I don't know if any of the other lads have got any questions that they want to fire at you, Jim. Max, you got anything? Yeah, I, I was, I was just wondering. I mean, obviously, I mean, the Premier League's coming, and that, that, and that, obviously, um, give other shit, other certain teams a lot of cash, and we, we, was got going into the Premier League. It seemed like you know, off the back of the eighties, we did seem like you know we'd be a dominant force. So, like, I, I was just wondering because obviously I've never experienced, you know, an eighties team or a, a successful team, to put it simply. What what is the main difference of seeing, you know, the team over the last ten, ten or so years and the team back in the eighties? What's the main difference between the, the the kind of different sides? Yeah, well, I think I think the well certainly in the mid eighties, I think that it was the first time or the only time in in kind of my life support Everton where there was a sense that it wasn't it wasn't a question. Would we win? That was kind of a given. It was a question of how many we'd win by, and I think that that kind of that 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 sense of that I think we all get on a on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever t- the game takes place, where you're thinking, I really don't know what Everton can do here. For a very brief period in the mid eighties, you sort of knew. I mean, you'd obviously still lose games, but there was a sense of there was two periods: the kind of second half of the eighty forty five season and the second half of the eighty six eighty seven season, where Everton were just invincible. And and you know, that was 
to to kind of to experience that was incredible because you know I, I think that a few, you know very few of the Italians have experienced it before that none of us have experienced it since. Mm. Uh, I think that I mean it must be like you know what it's like being a Man City fan at the moment where you just think yeah we can we can do any, we can do anything. Mm. Uh, and again there, there was the sense that for the time there that we we felt like when when the Premier League started that we were. We were kind of well positioned to be a big club. I think that's that's the biggest uh, transition that, as an Evertonian, I've taken from those kind of from the eighties to the nineties into the noughties. That it was hard to suddenly realise that you're not a big deal anymore, and the things that you thought would in reach each season. Everton, we always thought maybe we could win the league or we could get a cup. Those things have become kind of out of reach, and that's yeah. you know mentally that took a long time to uh, accommodate really because you know. Not only have we gone from thinking we can do these things, but we have been doing these things recently. We had won league titles, we've done well in Europe, and uh, and the kind of transition to the modern Evertonian, I think, took a long time. I think it, really it took the 90s, it took the scares of the 90s to kind of almost go down to realise that actually things have really changed, you know, and we're not, we're not what we once were, we're not part of this, this new elite. And uh, you have to sort of adjust kind of what you think the club is capable of, which is actually. You know, when you look at those later games I, I, I chose in the book, you know, compared to the previous so many chapters, they're not like trophy wins anymore. They're not title capturing titles. They're like beating Liverpool or uh, you know beating United in a semi, getting to the last sixteen of the UEFA Cup. So by historic standards, they don't seem to be particularly impressive. But actually, by modern Everton standards, they were. But just it's just a kind of what we're capable of has changed so much over the past twenty-five years. Mm. I agree. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Max, do you have any others? Uh, no, that was, that was it, really. Uh, okay, I just, didn't, I just didn't want to be like cutting in in the middle of your questioning there. Uh, so, Jim, I have a few. They're kind of, uh, kind of practical as my uh, – I didn't start supporting Everton until – uh, 2011, 2012, because yeah. we didn't, they didn't play games in America on television. Um, they'd only started doing that in those years. So, um, you know, naturally we let somebody like David run this interview cause he's been supporting a lot longer. Um, <laughs> uh, he just kind of knows, <laughs> <laughs> he, he just knows a heck of a lot more than I do. Um, so my, my questions are kind of practical, if a, you know, in terms of uh, the actual writing of the book. Um, yeah. and so as far as compiling all this information, putting it, putting it all together, have you mentioned how long this process actually took you? Uh, it was about uh, 12 months. Uh, but I mean, I've been writing about Everton because in the previous book for like the, the, the right. previous two years. So I was sort of, I was in a rhythm and I knew some of the bits that I was going to cover. But So it might have taken a bit longer uh, if that hadn't been the case. But actually, just from start to finish, it was, it was about a year. Um, yeah, I, when you said 12 months, I kind of did a double take. You can't see that, but I did because it sounded like a short amount of time. Yeah, uh, but um, so, but uh, and I'm also assuming that writing that first one and putting that first one together, there were a lot of you took a lot of experience from that, making this one a lot more streamlined as well. Yeah, we. Well, yeah, I, I think you sort of. Uh, well, it's my third book, so I think by the by the, the third one, you know, like you know where the, where the stuff is, how to organize interviews, who to approach, that kind of stuff. So. You get slicker as you go along. The first book I wrote, it took me ages because I was all over the shop, really. Yeah, and that's that's the next question I, I was going to ask about. You 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 got a little bit into your criteria a bit, you know. I know 
you, you mentioned that it's not black or white what makes a great game and everything, and you mentioned certain certain matches that you didn't include because they kind of led to didn't lead to great things later in the season. Um, so, but you, do you really? I mean, it seems like picking this would be tough for me. I would almost have to have like a like a list of criteria that they need to check, almost like a scoring system for each yeah. one of these games to be able to 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 put them in this list. Did you have anything like that? Well, I mean, the first thing I wanted to cover was every decade. I think that's the first thing, just so that, you know, even even the lean years, like somewhere like the 1950s, just, just because, you know, in those 10 years, something good would have happened to those fans. And, um, and sometimes you look at the, a game and it's not, particularly impressive in the staff. There was a game from the, um, the early 80s, which, uh, you know, I think we, we beat Liverpool uh, 2-1 in, in the Cup. And, you know, if you just looked at that, you know, Derby wins nice, but it wasn't particularly impressive. But actually, that game got in because when I talked to fans <laughs> from that period, because Liverpool had been so dominant, and this is the tail end of the Gordon Lee era, and Everton had, you know, been in the doldrums and the fans are really down, that win for them was like getting the Cup. So even, even though that season we didn't get much fair, and I don't think we finished particularly well in the league either, just to beat this kind of over-mighty Liverpool and knock them out was fantastic. So sometimes, so you want, you want something to reflect each era, and you, and you sort of also want to tell a story as well. I, I, was, I was trying to use these games to sort of show Everton's journey, these kind of 50 moments to kind of punctuate our narrative and kind of show, uh, you know, the ups and downs. And, and, and as I said before, how this, this kind of nothing club you know, just a, a, a local church, you know, knocking a ball on the park. How did that become uh, a founding member of the Football League and then go on to sort of winning league titles and become arguably a kind of, you know, by the first world war, possibly the biggest club in the country? And I mean, how did that happen? So you, you want to kind of, you, you want these moments to tell these stories. So when you're approaching it, there are obviously some moments that need to be in there. There are some matches that are just, every Evertonian would say, that has to be there. Like so, like the Bayern Munich game has to go in there, and winning the cup in the sixties that has to go in there, and the last cup final win that needs to be in there. But beyond that, it's it's a case of trying to cover every decade and try and tell this story as well. Now that's a ridiculously thoughtful way of approaching it. That's, that's, that's way. That's that is just uh, yeah. That's like for me, I was sitting there thinking, okay, I would have categories and checklists, and your 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 process is way more compelling. Uh, <laughs> um, last question that I have, and then we'll kind of do a little uh, little go around uh, and talk about our favorite great games. Um, you know, I'm I'm I come from you know filmmaking and everything, and when people talk about their favorite films all the time, there's certain ones that crop up, and you're just like, oh, again, you know. And so you know, when people say, oh, Citizen Kane, and you're just like, ah, another one that likes Citizen Kane, you know. And mm-hmm. what what's what's this that version of the Everton great like what's the cliche answer when someone says you know this was Everton's greatest game from a supporter for you what's the cliche answer it's uh, the Bayern Munich game in 85 that's the that's game that everyone who was there or kind of around at the time they all say that's kind of that's the greatest <laughs> moment of person I think um but I think the reason for that is because I, I, I talked to um, Gray Menace uh, when Sky to Gray, and he was saying, you know, he's he's been going to match for decades, and he's experienced all kinds of of, of um, atmospheres. And he said, Pick, you know, imagine your best atmosphere at Goodison, and then times it by ten, and you still don't get close to that night. 
He said, oh. there's just something, there's just something, not sure what it means, you know, it's a semi-final, it's not a final, you know, there's no trophy won, it's not a league title, and there was just something about maybe how that game kind of unfolded, kind of be behind and come back, or the sense that maybe, you know, this is us getting to European level and, and matching Liverpool. Just think about the night, maybe just because it was a night game, under the lights, different sort of atmosphere, but he says there's just nothing, as in his experience, and he's far from alone, nothing comes close. So it's the one that gets always gets kind of, you know, trotted out, but actually I think it, is, it was genuinely Everton's greatest moments, or simply the greatest moments of Goodison. Mm. I guess that's, that's an example of a cliche being a cliche for a reason. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, seems like a good time to uh, go around and have everybody uh, say their their favorite their favorite matches and uh, have a brief brief commentary about that. Does anybody want to start with that? Uh, Max, you want to give yeah. that a go? You know, you know, it, it's hard because I was born in '98, so you know, I, you know, as I've grown up, I've never, I've not, as in as it kind of falls under category, you know, title wins or, or cup wins, I've seen nothing of, of that substance. So the first kind, it, it's kind of just like an automatic light bulb that goes on for me. I'd just say the Gosling derby straight away. Um, it was just everything about the game. I mean, Goodison was absolutely like an absolute bear pit. Um, Gerard getting substituted off early with his injury and then Lucas Lever ended up getting sent off. Um, uh, you know, it just... Everything kind of just unfolded perfectly, and we were all kind of worried that it'd go to penalties, and we ended up nicking a goal just towards the end. Um, that, as I say, it's just like an automatic light bulb. I don't need to think about it. It's just you know, by far the the greatest game I've ever been to. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, David, you want me to go next, or you want to head it up? Uh, it's up to you, mate. Do, do you want to go? <laughs> well. Uh, I, I've had to list games that I've actually witnessed, you know, and seen. So I had <laughs> limited years to choose from. Uh, but um, I've mentioned this before on our show. But I, you know, the one that kind of clinched me being an Everton supporter was uh, 2012. Everton, Everton two, Spurs one. Pinar and Yelovich get the goals. That's the one that clinched me being a, a supporter. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I've never cheered so hard for a team that I've hardly watched. Uh, it was, <laughs> it, it, that was that was an awesome moment, you know. Uh, and uh, the other, uh, I, I've got two kind of other ones that I really. Uh, you mentioned the Oviedo game in 2013, where they, you know, we beat Man U 1-0. That is on my my short list here, and uh, and also uh, 2015 when uh, we beat Chelsea 3-1. Nasey Nace, got the hat trick. And uh, I think uh, what, what, wasn't Besic starting, and he he got injured, and Naismith came in for him, yeah. and that's when yeah. yeah, what a crazy awesome game. Uh, and that was have, a, that was a perfect hat trick as well. Don't forget yeah. by, the, uh, by the little guy. Yeah, that's Naismith at that moment was uh, was was probably my favorite Everton player at the time. <laughs> Just uh, such a cool moment. So mm. anyway, uh, David, what you got, man? Um. <clears throat> I mean, there's so many you could do, but I, I just tried to maybe think of a more obscure game, um, especially after reading reading the book. Um, just in terms of <clears throat> kind of what it meant at the time, um, and for me, it's the uh, 
it's it's a it's another recent one. It's I think it was 2011 2012 season where we we got on, went on that run to the FA Cup semi final where we eventually knocked out by Liverpool. But it was the the FA Cup replay at Sunderland. Um, we we initially faced them at home and it was a one one draw. Um, and coming out of the ground that day, it, it almost had that feel of an opportunity missed. Uh, they brought a good follow and it. It just become even though they were not necessarily a great side, they become a bit more of a daunting task going there because um, we knew they were up for. I think it's the first time they'd had a decent cup run in a long time, uh, and it did go the game. Um, I mean, and the the, the ever there was about six thousand Evertonians there, and it was absolutely bouncing. Um, and it was around that time where Jelovic had just come in, and he was on absolute fire. He seemed to be scoring every week. Um, so we went there, and at this point, Liverpool had already uh, made it to the semi-final. So we knew they were waiting, um, and yet we just uh, we ended up winning the game two 0 Yelvich scored in the first half, and then uh, Vaughan technically David Vaughan, I think his name is, technically got the the second, but Yelvich took credit for it. Um, <laughs> and the away end was just mayhem, absolute mayhem. And uh, you know, we as I said, we went on to win two 0 and. We knew we were meeting Liverpool then at the semi-final at Wembley, and okay, it didn't go to plan. But just coming out the grounds, you know, as Jim mentioned before, Liverpool haven't had great sides over these past 10, 15 years, and that wasn't a good side. And when, my first mistake was thinking, well, they'd already beat us twice that season, so no doubt we're going to do them on this third one. Um, and they ended up ruining our big day again. But as I said, in terms of the game itself, it was a great win, and it was a really good night, and. Just maybe one of the lesser-known games that kind of really sticks out for me. Uh, so uh, I guess we should also we should also ask Jim this question if you if you if you can narrow it down. You know, I don't know if you've specifically mentioned your personal choice yet. Um, well, I think for me, it's there's a, a derby from the nineties, uh, Joe Royal's first game in charge, which was uh, ninety-four. Uh, I think it was uh, no, uh, November. Um, I think people talk like uh, recently about this being uh, like a bad Everton side and one of the worst they've ever seen. But I, I, I think the the Mike Walker side that season were unquestionably the worst Everton sides ever. They were just, <laughs> they were just. Um, it, it's you know it's hard to point to words what you would watch each week. They were kind of mesmerisingly bad, and you would start each game. There was no question of of losing. That was kind of a given before the ball had even been kicked. And so that season we were bottom. I think we had just a handful of points, and then. He got sacked, and Royal came in, and his first game at the derby in that season, uh, Liverpool being flying in the league, and they were third or something like that. And uh, I think uh, Bobby Fowler had scored more goals than Everton that season, so it gives you the measure of how shit we were. And I think I, mean, I remember reading the echo when we were totally written off. There was like, like you know, we were such a bad side, and they were so good, especially attacking. That I think it was just um, expected that we get kind of blown off the park. Um, and it was a night game, and I recall the atmosphere was quite angry that night. It wasn't like I think I think a lot a lot of Blues were pissed off at, at that point because we just survived delegation the previous season, and we sort of the, we were meant to get be getting rebuilt with Peter Johnson's money, and there'd been some excitement, and it'd been such a dreadful season to that point. And I think a lot of us thought that we were going to drop. I feel and like then, you're describing this season, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it's so it's so similar, especially with the derby oh, coming up and that. Yeah, but um. And yeah, and then 
you got this kind of this different Everton side come out. I mean, we've been like porous to the point of kind of saturation. We've let in so many goals, and then this Everton side comes out on Joe, under Joe Royal. And in the first half, this kind of dazzling Liverpool side were just shackled. I think I think Royal said something like he'd seen Joe Parkinson and John Ebel tackle um, a pack of crisps in the warm up. That gave him a, that gave him a, an indication of um, of like you know he, he thought these players can like these these players can do this, and so. We just stifled Liverpool and you know got into hard time with that importance, you know, uh, the importance of not letting the goal. And then I think there was a change after the break. I think uh, I think Matt Jackson went off and uh, we brought on uh, Paul Rideout, and suddenly we had a bit more kind of attack and potency. And then uh, I can recall uh, Andy Hinchcliffe putting a corner in. I think it was like ten minutes in or something, and Ferguson put a header over the bar, like a warning shot to Liverpool, and they they didn't heed it. And then, like a minute later, same again, and uh, he Ferguson scored. I think there was a moment when the ball hit the back of the net, and it's just like silence, and then the whole ground just <laughs> erupts, and it's just you know off its head. And so it's one of those rare times that after, normally when you play Liverpool, if you go one ahead, you're sort of waiting for them to score again and probably beat us two one or something like that. But after Ferguson scored, I had no sense that we'd lose, which is a, you know incredibly rare for a derby. I, I thought this is our game. And then showing off in the last in dying minutes, we get another a bit of a crap goal, but you know, they all count, don't they? And so it's yeah. like two nil. And I can recall leaving the ground that day, just feeling it was the first time in in such a long time that I felt elated, and also the, the, the sense that here was an Everton side that could survive. I think that that's the biggest thing. We've been so weak and so awful to watch, and then suddenly we had this spirit and this bite and this drive and this kind of desire to. To, to win and to kind of you know battle for everything, it was just and it proved to be the case. You think we, I think we won our next two games. Then that season, uh, under Royal, our form was like top six, and we survived with two points and win a cup. And so that feeling proved accurate. I mean, you know, and again, that's rare for Everton. Normally, you're mistaken about about our team. You think, oh, we're good, and we end up being a bit shit. But that season, it was it was spot on, and so it was like a just a weirdly magical night, and just that that sense that a corner was turned because I think if if we hadn't won that game, I think that season we probably would have gone down. It was that important, and then who knows what, what would have happened. So it was, it was just a, you know, it was a nice. It was, you know, it helps that it's Liverpool as well. It's always nice to beat them, but just a, a really magical night that really stuck in the air memory. Jim, listen to you. I kind of feel like you could narrate a lot of this book without having to actually look at the text. Uh, well, I've, I've lived bits of it, so that always helps. Oh, no, it's amazing. I mean, you even retelling the story with your own words. I mean, I usually find that I'm better at writing and then rewriting, and then my sentence structure is so much better. But you, you're actually, your, story, your actual verbal storytelling, you know, by mouth, <laughs> yeah, it's is, a, it's, you're putting me there. It's pretty, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, that's a special game. I think that, that one and the Wimbledon game, just sort of stuck with me forever. They really kind of have a marked impression, more than more than any of the others, to be honest. Well, uh, guys, this has been awesome. Uh, can uh, David, Max, do you have anything else on this? Um, yeah, I mean, I just for anybody who's listening, I, I just couldn't recommend the book uh, enough. Uh, I'm not just saying it's Jim's here. I genuinely, I was saying before we we spoke to him, I, I genuinely enjoyed reading it. Um, it's been fantastic, and when he first sent the book over, um, we we were pretty poor, <laughs> um, so it was it was escapism at times, almost reading some of these great games, and um, 
just reminding us why we put ourselves through these bad spa- uh, bad patches that we've had over the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic read, and I'd recommend it to anybody. Go out and buy it. Um, I think it's on Amazon, isn't that right, Jim? Or yeah, it's on Amazon. It's, um, it's in Waterstones in in Liverpool, and it's in the uh, it should be the Everton shop as well. Yeah, but yeah, fantastic read, and once again, congratulations. Thank you. Sir. The book, all right, greatest games Everton, the Toffees, fifty finest matches by Jimmy Keoghan. All right, thanks so much, Jim, for being here. Uh, it's it's a uh, yeah. This has been educational to say the least. Just to even have the conversation, so can't wait to check out the book. Thanks, Tim. So uh, it's December, and, and since and since it's December now, we're allowed to talk about transfer rumors. Okay, we're not talking about football manager FIFA transfer rumors where you're like, this person was good and, and they play in the Russian second division and they're ranked super high and we should sign them. We're not talking about those kind of transfer rumors. We're talking about the kind where we've seen people mention it and like journalists actually mention these things. Okay? So these are serious possibilities. All right? So um, I'm going to start with... Uh, I don't know. There are some pretty big, impactful ones that I don't know if are true or not. But um, yeah, so going down my list, Troy Deeney. That's a bad face from Max. I just want to point that out. <clears throat> All right, Max, why why the bad face, man? Because I feel like going off that last performance against against Huddersfield, that we might be able to forge Dominic Calvert-Lewin in that kind of image. To an extent, I know he's not as stocky and he, he doesn't throw his weight about as much, but in terms of like getting up there, winning headers, you know, making his presence known, which I feel like he did really well against Huddersfield, I feel like, you know, as as, as he develops as a player, then he, he can kind of become that type. David? I'm not a fan of that one. Um, I think Wofford won't let him go cheap. I don't think he's been playing as much this year, has he? But I, I still don't think they'd let him go cheap. Um, so it means we'd be potentially p- paying a decent whack for them. I don't think he warrants it. I think he's getting on a bit. Um, I'm just not a, a massive fan of Dini. I think he does a, does a decent job, but he he can be prolific for a few games and then he can not score for long spells and then... Yeah, I just think there's better options out there, so I'd like to think we avoid that one. Um, I do think this is a legit rumor, as in I think there's a lot of truth to this one because uh, Walsh has been linked with Deeney in the past, and we all know Walsh has his favorites. Walsh has certain players with uh, his money ball statistics, his way of doing things, and uh, yeah, he's been pinpointing Deeney for a while. I think he did for Leicester. Um, and he's been mentioned with us in the past as well. Um, I don't mind him so much, to be honest with you, um, because I'm not sure if we need to drop $50 million on on a striker. You know what I mean? I, I almost feel like we need someone who we know who can be clinical. I feel like it's the main thing we're lacking from our strikers right now is a clinical striker, someone who's been there, someone who if they're in front of the goal – they're not going to kick it right at the def- right at the keeper's legs. So I don't, you know? I don't feel like he is clinical enough. Do you need really? I, yeah, I know he can score goals and he can go on great runs and 
he certainly scored a lot of goals for Watford, but he's also had spells where he hasn't been that great in front of goal. And I don't know, I just don't feel like we've got we can kind of take a risk on this one because it's a big transfer window. I think we we need to get someone in, and as as I alluded to, I don't think he'll come cheap either. Um, I think it'll I think it'll be a, a twenty five at least. Yeah, and it's a lot of money, isn't it? I think. He he would make my list of options, but he just maybe would be down the pecking order slightly. I wouldn't I wouldn't be devastated if we had that move. I just think there's some better ones out there. Hopefully, I think if we can get him below thirty, I'm not gonna cry about it. So would you, you know pay I mean? say twenty eighth? Would you be happy with that? that? That's a stretch, but the market is insane. No, I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? No, no judgment here. I'm, I guess I'm just curious. You know, two years, two years ago, twenty eight is 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 two years ago is like twenty or eighteen. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's why I'm I'm not opposed to it because I think he could chip in with eight to ten goals the second half of the season. Yeah. If he plays, um, and just because he gives us something different, mm. you know, I think his hold up play is better than uh, Nias and and DCLs. And he just has some of the stuff we don't have, but he's Troy Deeney, you know. And it's another—it's like Allardyce. It's—it's it's pride. <laughs> Are we at the place yeah, where we need it's Troy Deeney? You know what I mean? Fix short. It's just one of them short-term fixes that you—you yeah. know—you see your club go down that route. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the enthusiasm isn't high for this one. That's what we'll say. Uh, but it's probably strong possibility. All right. Uh, next. Steven Nzonzi, all right? He is on the outs at Sevilla, all right? As in, they were pro- will probably accept a little less than they would have before for yeah. him, all right? This is a, a strong player, Yeah, i got to be honest. He looked so good when we played them uh, this past summer. Um, and he would come in and he would immediately replace someone like Schneiderlin. Yeah, I feel like he he he, sh- he shined in Spain really um, since he's moved to La Liga. I think he you know he suited Sevilla and their system perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same, uh, you know, he's a great player. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I don't feel like we need to overload him in the central uh, center of midfield. Um, I just feel like, yeah, I know we say you know Schneiderlin's not going for the best form, and we're still trying to kind of figure out how we can have a midfield that includes Schneiderling, Gay, Rooney, Sigurdsson and try and make it all work. So, I, you know, I feel like we've already got some strong players in the centre midfield. So, you know, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't really want it. Yeah, I agree. I think he's an option, but it's not important for me. I think we've we've got plenty similar level players there already who fit would probably play in that position. So, once again, I'm not over overwhelmed by that. that I think if we sell all. two other players for that position, I'm fine with buying him. Mm. You know what I mean? If we sell McCarthy and Schneiderlin and we bring him in, I'm fine. Yeah. I just don't think we'll get him. I think a better team is going to – a better team. Well, maybe, yeah, a stronger team is going to get him. I think Juventus, somebody like Juventus is going to get him, honestly, because uh, he's a bargain. Um, next, Danny Rose. Uh, there is a rumor with Danny, Danny Rose today. I'm just going to leave this one off. I've I've read where he's got an agreement with Man United already. Yeah, like that's sort of some insider stuff. I I don't know. I'd love to have him. I just don't think he'll come. Yeah, pretty much the same. I feel like if you know, a player like that, he, you know, it, he'll be looking for European football definitely. 
And I don't think mm-hmm. he'll accept any unless. So, yeah, I couldn't see that move at the present time. <coughs> yeah, Anything, uh, David? Yeah, his stock's too high at the moment. I think if, <coughs> if no move coming over the next six months... Sorry, I'm just laughing. I was all coughing here. I, I yeah. feel like I can buy James. are going to get through the screen and potentially get people watching this. So, I do apologise. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think his stock's too high at the moment. Um and normally you do find with these players that the agreements are already in place. And if you're here in United, they're going to get them, then you probably are. But maybe, if not, in the summer, we could go back to that one. Max, you got Giroud news. What do you got? I have. I've recently seen a bit of news that the French FA have had a word with him, saying that you know if, he, if he's looking to get into the French squad, then he needs some playing time and he should be looking away from Arsenal. So, you know, I think that that is just a perfect time for us to swoop in. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. I think no, none of us would complain. No. Um, Johnny Evans. It's, he's, not an ex, he's another one of those not exciting names, but I think yeah. he would do a job. Yeah. That's all, you know? Underwhelmed. It, it, that reminds yeah. me like the latest kind of noughties, the time, when we used to get United's cast off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Egypt, yeah. yeah. All right, City might have been in for Evans last year, but I'm still not buying it. I think he's bang average at best. Uh, <laughs> right. But you probably have him starting over Williams, so if the opportunity comes there and Williams leaves, then yeah, okay, why not? Next, uh, Baba Rahman. Get a little uh, little help left back for Leighton Baines. He uh, He's from Ghana. Play Chelsea? Chelsea, yeah, he's been hurt for a little bit, and he's apparently going to be healthy soon. And uh, apparently, we were interested in the summer, and there's rumors that we're going to be going in for him again. Yeah, I would definitely. Him, haven't seen him play. Him, he's a very um, his, his best trait is, I think, his his physicality. I mean, he's very strong and quick. And again, there's a there's a left back for us, so most definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we need that cover there now, don't we? I think we all accept that. Not, no, th- sorry, not through any fault of his own. Uh, Baines is coming to the end, so yeah, if that one, if that one can happen, definitely. All right, um, and last, I don't really have any input on this one at all because, well, I don't keep up with uh, Reading's U twenty three side, but uh, they have a six five keeper named Lewis Ward who I think is on loan. I'm not sure if it's a long non-league team or not, but came out today that we are interested in getting him. Um, I, I, I have no problem with us strengthening our U23 side. I, I just know nothing about this fellow. Yeah, our, so. our recruitment at youth level always seems to be pretty decent as well. So yeah. whoever we bring in at youth level, you know, there's obviously a reason for that. So, yeah, I'd be fine. I couldn't. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't add any more to that. Yeah, and we we seem to be okay at youth level. So, if if the scouts have seen something that they like the look of, let's see what he's got. Well, I actually called Lewis Ward earlier today, and oh, uh, yeah. he yeah. yeah he's in England, and he told me he's interested, but he needs the the pot sweetened a little bit. Uh, so okay. Everton, you know, roll out the red carpet, guys. I talked to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they believe me, guys. Play along with it. What's wrong with you? All right, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's all the transfer rumors 
as of right now, all right? Um, but don't fear not, because uh, I will be scouring the interwebs for, for transfer rumors pretty much the whole rest of December and January, because I'm addicted to it. You know, even I'll, be, I'll even be looking on Twitter to see if some random dude says, hey, I heard we're signing Kevin Gamero on loan for, for and it's going to okay. be made a permanent if it works well. Yeah. I, really, I really did read that the other day. Yeah. That's a thing. But Raquel might be coming in, you know. <laughs> uh, yes, Yarmolenko. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all the juicy, juicy tidbits right now on the, on the rumor stage. Guys, this is an emergency. An emergency segment that we just added because we do, we roll like that, okay? FA Cup draw was today. Okay? And I know we were expecting something like Dagenham and Redbridge or, you know, well, one of these other Why well, give us your most obscure English Football League team. <laughs> that, that, that may be it. Macclesfield. <laughs> uh, it's it's all teams that we played before, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were expecting maybe a, a, a smaller club, you know? Um, but it doesn't always work out like that, and it hasn't worked out like that today. Um, David brought us bad news in the middle of the last segment. We didn't record it. I'll edit it out. But... Yeah, David brought us bad news, and he, as usual. So, yeah. David, why don't you bring bring them bad news? What's the bad news, man? Well, by the time they, they listen to this, I think they already know. But um, FA Cup third round being drawn away at Anfield against our neighbours from across Stanley Park. Um, big game, big game to start off our FA Cup campaign. Um, but you know, to be fair, I'll just get this in now because we're being very negative. Our record at Anfield in the third round um, four previous times and we're undefeated. So, you know, pressure's on them. Pressure's on Liverpool, lads. We, we, are, we are confident going into this one, I think. Are we? No, not even a little bit. But, <laughs> but I think the three of those games were draws and then we went back to Goodison and we've knocked them out. So, let's, let's yeah. you know, let's have some faith. I'll just be replaying that Gosling derby in my head till January now. Just don't yeah. come a repeat of that. Take yeah. them back to others and then do a number on them there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mystic Max, how's this one going to come out? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go for a 1-1 at Anfield and then we'll take them to Goodison and we'll beat them 2-0. I, I just want to see the confidence, you know what I mean? I want to see some confidence. And we've got yeah. them in the coming up soon as well. So, yeah. So. Would you take, would you take oh, if you could only win one, would you win this on Sunday? Or would you win the FA Cup game? In the FA Cup one, I'd win the FA Cup. I, re- I really want us to do something in the FA Cup this season because I feel like it can be the redeeming factor in everything that we've been through. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, mm. so I feel, I do feel like if we, if we can knock them lot out the cup, then... You know, I think we undeniably should go on a run. Yeah. David, what do you think is going to happen? Um, uh, I, I think we'll find a lot about where Everton are at under this new manager, Allardyce. On, I'm talking about like we have no idea who Allardyce is. This, this new guy, Sam Allardyce, 
<laughs> this new kid on the block. But listen, I think we'll we'll have a good indication on Sunday about how he set up against Liverpool. Uh, where we're at mentally, because as Jim mentioned earlier when we interviewed him, it's just a mental block we have with that club at the moment. A lot of the time, there's been nothing between the sides. So we'll have an indication on Sunday. Hopefully, we get a good result Sunday, and then I'll feel confident going into it. We've got a good record. Al Anfield when it comes to the FA Cup third round, so I'm confident if we uh, if we have a good game Sunday that we can get something out of that tie. Uh, I'm just gonna say it. Um, Nias will get two goals and we will win two to one. Mane gets theirs. That's what happens. That's yeah. what will happen. Mm. All right. Mm. Oh, I hope no one sends us this. <laughs> Oh, After the games being played. <laughs> no, to be honest with you, if anybody takes me serious in saying that yeah. I'm, that's definitely what's going to happen, then I feel sorry for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like a, you're biting your tongue because you know that we're going to get a bad result. But you feel like if you try and get, if you feel confident yourself, then you're just going to blurt it all out. You feel like, ah, oh, we're going to bash you. Yeah. You know, it's just it's the way it is. It's not just the competitiveness of the derby coming through there, but you know. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I feel like a lot of the negativity can some be sometimes be our fault as well, the fans. So it'd be great if we just kind of treated it as a ninety minutes and see if we can get something out out of out the game. I said if we get back, get them back to good. So I'd fancy our chances, like we've done many a time before. So as long as we avoid defeat there, um, I'll be happy, and then we'll see what happens in the second in the replay. Sorry, if it happens. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just going from a purely entertainment uh, standpoint, guys, because I feel like everybody expects us to be negative about that. So if we just be contrarian and be, like, over positive about it and how we're going to, you know, we, that's what they, the, the audience doesn't expect that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're giving you, giving you the unexpected. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anyone can pick Liverpool to beat us because that's what's supposed to happen right now, you mm. know? Well, that, this, that run's going to end soon. The, the dominance they've yeah. had. I've said, I've said it before. We, we, we've had many a spell where we've been dominant over them. And then the derbies have just kind of been... The form goes out the window. Obviously, they've had the better run last t- 10 or so years. <laughs> but I think it's coming to an end eventually now. And we'll... Um, let's hope these next two games against them, we um, we get pick up some big wins. Yeah. Uh, no All better right. way to start your FA Cup run than knocking them out, is it? Yeah, I mean, usually on a cup run, you have to beat some good teams. Yeah. Does anybody have a fortunate enough draw run all the way through where you have to oh. play no none of the bigger teams? I mean, it just doesn't happen like that. Yeah. The good news is about a lot of these cups, usually teams aren't playing their strongest 11. Mm, so I think it might you, be different this time, sadly. Yeah, you never know. You yeah. never know. I'm trying to be positive here, Dave. <laughs> David's uh, letting the air out of all of our, <laughs> all of our footballs here. That's what I do best. <laughs> so, um, this is a segment we've been wanting to do for a while now. We've only just now gotten around to rating the players. Uh, basically, we've been complaining for a while that we don't know our set 11. We don't know who our strongest 11 players are we just who are our starters you know um i've heard max say it like 40 times yeah i, feel, I just feel like it's a massive concern to be honest 
No, I'm joking. It is a massive concern. He hasn't it, said it 40 it, times. It's of chef 40 times. It needs to be fake. <laughs> it was at least 39, though. So mm. here's the deal. Um, we rated the players, all right? Even me. Yeah. As if, as if my opinion is important. Um, what we've done is we have taken every single member of the first team and give them, given them a, a ranking from 1 to 10. A grade, if you will. Um, if they are a one, then they're, they, well, let's be honest, they're probably writhing around on the ground, never able to even kick a ball. No one got a one, okay? But that's, those are ones. And then 10 is, is the, they're the, strong, or the strongest player you can possibly imagine for the position, okay? Um, I, did, I gave no tens, personally, but. Um, Neither so, did I. Yeah, so. Uh, the, the the people who voted here, we've got myself, we've got David, we've got Max, and we've got Edward, who also contributed, okay? So um, I've got our results here, okay? So um, we have three players that were rated, they averaged out as nines, flat nines, okay? Um, what I've done is I've taken... All four of our scores added each one, added them together, and then divided them by four to see what their average ranking is. Okay, so the three players that are our highest rated players. Oh wait a minute, I'm not doing that. Okay. Oh, <laughs> our three highest rated players, and this is really not a surprise: Pickford, Barkley, Coleman. Okay, those players are nine out of ten. All right, not perfect, but damn good. All right. Um, so next, we have three players rated at 8.5. All right. Um, those are Rooney, Idrissa Gay, and Gilfie Sigurdsson. All right. So those are our top six. Next, in seventh place, we have Bulasi, who's actually rated a little higher than I was expecting, but hey, that's awesome. You know, um, he averaged out to an eight. Uh, then, with a, an odd, an odd average. There's only one person who did his ratings in point fives in in decimals, and that's Max. It's so not surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> so because of that, our, some of these def, some of these ratings, you know, go to three decimal points. Okay. Um, so in uh, in I eight, feel like that's such a cop out, you know, Max. What <laughs> untapped potential. He's being specific. It's okay. Uh, I have to. to. (laughs) In eighth place, with uh, an average of 7.875, is uh, Omar Nias. Which, you said that to us last year, I think we would have laughed our asses off. All right? Does that mean that somebody's given him a nine? Um, Let me see. Where are you, Omar? Yes, one person gave him a nine. Interesting. And he's not with us right now. Yeah. So yeah, Edward gave him a nine. So yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, let's be honest. There's an argument to be made that he's our strongest striker. Um, But yeah, why are you calling him out, David? I know. I'm out of order. (laughs) You know what I'm like? When I'm drinking on the job here, I get I get aggressive and. Start kicking off, shouting abuse. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, next in ninth, 
with an average. Actually, two players have an average of seven point seven five. Tom Davies and uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin. All right, and then our eleventh spot. All right, this rounds out our eleven best, but also might present a problem for us when we're trying to make a formation out of this. All right, in uh, eleventh spot is Vlasic with a rating of seven point six two five. So, the problem I see here is that we don't have enough defenders <laughs> to make, which is hardly is hardly. Surprising when you look at the mm-hmm. fact that I think we all know we have some serious deficiencies on defense this season. Mm-hmm. All right, our only defenders we have in the top eleven. Uh, well, you know, Pickford's part of the defense, but not really. Uh, Coleman, and that is it. <laughs> so we don't have <clears throat> any center center backs in I, that I- top eleven. I don't know if you've worked out a plan yet, but I feel like the most rational decision would be to cut the bottom. I cut well. How many defenders short are we? We've only got one. Yeah, I mean we've got Coleman. Okay, so what I was going to do is look at. I mean I've got the averages of all the other players, so I can just go down the list and figure out what we need to do to make a starting eleven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do that. Yeah. So the next one on the list, twelfth, is Baines with seven point five. There's actually three players. Who are rated 7.5. Alright. Baines. Holgate. And Kenny. Alright. Um, and then. Immediately after that. With 7.325. And 15th is Baningimi. And immediately after that. Is Keen. And 16th. With 7.25. Alright. So. Now. When we go down that far. We now have two center backs. Okay. And if we go according to this list, <coughs> all right, Baines gets into the top 11, Holgate gets into the strongest 11, and Keane gets into the strongest 11, okay, positionally, all right? So that means we need to take out three players from that, that top 11, okay? So uh, the three lowest rated players there are Davies, DCL, and Vlasic. So if we take them out, they gotta go. If we take them out now, we have a starting eleven that looks like this: Pickford in goal, Coleman at right back, Holgate and Keane as center backs, Baines as left back, uh, Idrissa Gay in his spot right in front of the back four. Then this gets interesting. All right. We play in the diamonds, or I feel I feel like we've got to do something like that. All right, because what we've got beyond that, we've got as center back as center mids, we have Barkley, and we've got Gilfie. All right, those are two center mids who are very strong players. All right. Mm. Um, Additionally, then on the we also have uh, Rooney. Omar and Bolasi. Yeah. I don't know how to make that formation, guys, because that's only one winger. Shit. Shit. Gay in front of the back four. Barkley yep. and Rooney just in front and Sigurdsson in front of them. Oh, okay, here's the thing. 
I've noticed that Sigurdsson has been lining up a little bit on the wing and then cutting in a lot. Maybe we do it like that. Maybe, but I, I feel like that to get, to get the best out of him, I think you need to, to get the best out of him. I, <sighs> no. I, I agree, but the problem, if we do that, then we have nobody on the wings. Mm. Playing very narrow. So if we go Bolasi on the right and Sigurdsson on the left and then Nias up front. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is an actual formation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So, just to uh, reiterate this, okay? Pickford, Coleman, Keane, Holgate, Baines, uh, Gay, Rooney, Barkley, Sigurdsson, Bolasi, and Nias. According to our ratings, that is our strongest viable starting eleven. That's not our strongest 11 players, but that is our strongest viable starting 11. Mm. Because if we didn't do that, we would have no center backs. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It's not yeah. a bad start. Just, just, in, just out of curiosity, who was ranked our lowest player? Why don't you guess? People say... I don't know if my, my, my guess would have been the lowest, but I would have said Declan Berg. What do you think, Max? Martina. I think, I think Williams. Okay. People are still like kind of wrapped up in this rage because he's been so poor this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the lowest rating for Williams was Edward. Edward gave Edward gave was Ed, that was actually one of the Edward was not afraid with with the fours when he needed to give a four. Ooh. You know, um, mm. me, neither me nor Max gave any fours. And David, you only gave one. No, yeah, one. You two, Stecklenberg. Steck. The lowest rated player, according to our ratings, Stecklenberg. I don't, okay. I don't like him at all. Really don't have that. He's against Man City. Yeah, yeah. but fuck that. Maybe you need a stronger back. He should have scored them. <laughs> uh, above that, Stecklenberg's average was 4.75. Uh, Martina's average was 5. And just above that was Williams with 5.25. Okay? Then above that, Besic. Then above that, Clausen. Then McCarthy. Then Morales. Okay? Um, You know, in the middle, uh, we went all the way to Keane earlier at 16th. But in 17th is Lookman. Then Sandro. Lennon. Schneiderlin. Jags. Funes Mori. Jags is that low? Oh. I didn't believe Jags being that low. Madness? But he is. His uh, Jags's average was six point two five. I'm sure I, I give Jags a seven. Did you? Um, me six. and you gave him sevens, David. But what? Ed gave him a five, and Max gave him a six. Jags Elka five. I've been weird with Edward over that. He's still he's still one of our best centre backs. He's got Ed's got some centre back rage. You can tell. Yeah. You know. Um, Plus, I mean, and, and I was actually expecting us to give Funes Mori higher ratings. I'm sure I give him a seven as well. Yeah, I did too. But he's sitting on a six point two five. I, I All think. Right? What did Edward give him? Because I think it's because I, I give have him you give him a five. Yeah, Ed, Edward gave him a six. You gave him a five. Oh, disgusting! I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I think he's just. I, too, I feel like we missed him. I think he's um, too temperamental on the ball. 
I just feel like he's just not comfortable on the ball. He yeah. is a mistake waiting to happen, to yeah. be fair. He will look brilliant for three-fourths of a game and then give away a really easy shot just by not thinking. I think he's got concentration issues yeah. more than anything else. I think that's just typically... I, I, I don't want to see like I'm over-generalizing, but I feel like that's kind of like a, what most South American defenders are like. They've kind of got like an attacking instinct, like yeah. which he does have. I mean, he does pull off shot, pull off shot from 40 yards, like... Yeah, but yeah, I feel like that's a South American thing, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was actually surprised. Uh, Lookman was rated was not rated higher, and I was surprised that Sandro was rated as high as he was. Apparently, we we sort of believe in Sandro. Um, I give Lookman. What was that? What did I give Lookman? What did you give Lookman? You gave him a seven. Three sevens and a six point five. We were pretty consistent. Six point five. I just feel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Six point five. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's it's because it's it's potential potential that's just not been exploited yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's been inconsistent for me, but he'll get there. Hopefully. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's. I think when you look at these, I think it's it's pretty. It makes sense. The ones that people have moaned the most about most about are at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really curious as to whether if we do this at the end of the season, after Sam has had some time with these players, I'm really curious to see if Williams's mark will go up. I, I think it will. Because he has made fewer mistakes recently, and it could be because he's, uh, number one, he and Holgate are like really good friends, and they work really well together. Um, so that could be part of it, but also I think the, the defense is starting to gel yeah. Um, doing the uh, the fundamentals a little bit a little bit better, um, yeah. but yeah. Uh, also, this might point to some of our sales coming up this uh, this January. You know, at this point, you won't be surprised to see uh, Morales, uh, Besic, McCarthy, Schneiderlin, um, yeah, uh, Robles. You might you won't be surprised to see some of these people go. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, we are not the end-all, be-all of the Everton fan base. A lot of people are going to disagree with our ratings, and that's cool. Um, this is just this is what the numbers shook out like, all right? Uh, we gave it a lot of thought. Hey, maybe, uh, maybe you want to give some thought, thought as well. So, uh, heck, put your ratings down there. Why not? You know? Do it. I'd be curious. I mean, I, I respond to every comment, all right? So throw them out there. We'll see what's going on, all right? Um, but, yeah, they, and now, now what's funny is we've got three injured players in our top 11. Says a lot. So this, this does say a lot, guys. I'm hoping mm. that, that, that Coleman and Belasi <laughs> especially come back as strong as they were. Yeah. You know? So anything else, guys? Feel good with this little experiment? Yeah. Interested to see what everyone else's ratings are when they come in. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like we should do it again at the end of the season, you know, for mm. some yeah, yeah. It's the kind of thing that if we'd have done one at the beginning, middle, and end, it's cool to kind of see the progression. Yeah, and see what fools we were. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that wraps up the strongest Everton eleven. All right. David had to leave. He has a another job. 
an additional one. He has to make money, so don't judge him. He's a dancer, okay? He's got moves, all right? I respect him for it. He's putting food on his table, paying his bills. You'll see him dance. You know what I mean? Maybe we'll have him do a little something on the next segment. You know, next, next this coming up later on this weekend. There's the reason to subscribe. <laughs> what? There's the reason to tune into the next episode. Yes, yes. David dances. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we we need to talk about. I mean, we don't need to talk about this match because it's not the most important thing in the world. <laughs> but we're going to. Why not? It's a. It's there. So why not? Uh. Dead rubber, Thursday, Europa League. We're still clinging to Europa League, even though we know we're out. We're uh, somehow, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some cruel joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Apollon on Thursday, and we will be in Cyprus for that one, as in the team will be, not we. I won't be. I won't be flying in from North Carolina. Just getting that out there. Uh, <laughs> um I'm actually, you know, it's funny. I mentioned earlier that this is some kind of cruel joke, but honestly, with the optimism that's surrounding our club right now, we actually are feeling a little better about life. I'm not, I'm not completely uninterested in this one. I'm actually kind of excited to see some of the players that don't get to play very often and kind of, kind of see what what they do in this in this kind of rejuvenated atmosphere for us. Yeah, you know, I feel like him. This this is like literally the perfect opportunity for some of the more obscure fringe players to, if given the chance, really try and make a statement to say, you know, I should be included in the match day squad or, you know, maybe even deserves a run out in the, the first team, mm-hmm. in you know, in the Premier League and in the, in the FA Cup. So, you know, I'm, as you say, I'm, it, it, it has got that, that kind of optimism about it in that, with being able to experiment, you can get a good feel to put, you know, who's the who's ready, who's not quite ready. You know, you know, the opportunities there for the taking for for some of the lads. So just let's hope that they do. Yeah, I saw I saw someone uh, on Twitter. They, they they mentioned that a lot of these players were bought with Europa League in mind. Yeah, you know, and uh, to be able to kind of to give us. A certain flexibility when playing a lot of these different styles, and we won't be, we won't really be doing that for mm-hmm. a while. Um, so now is a really good time for them to kind of prove it against European opposition. Um, yeah, Apollon's a weird squad to play against. Uh, normally, they don't ship a lot of goals. Um, normally, they're pretty defensive. It, it, you know, not unlike Huddersfield. You know, uh, just very stingy. Um, however, that doesn't apply to their last Europa League match when they got blown out by Lyon uh, 4-0. Um, but their last two league games in uh, in the Cyprian First Division, three to zero and six to zero. So they've been playing, they've been scoring lately. Yeah. Um, and but but they're fifth in the table, which I think is new for them. I think normally they finish a little higher than that. You know, normally they're anywhere from first through third. So um, so yeah, I, they're not. You know, yes, yes, they've won two big games lately, but they're not completely flying high, you know. Um, so, uh, and I'm going to give their team possible starters, but bear in mind, Max knows this. We've already talked about it. This is probably not going to be the team because I got this list 
from one of their league games, and and I checked it against their 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 Europa League stuff. But this game doesn't matter, so they're probably going to play players that just haven't played for a while. What we're, what we're going to do? They're probably going to do the same thing. All right. So people out there, after I tell you these names, and if they don't play on Thursday, my bad. I know it. All right. I know it's coming. So um, their team normally Bruno Valle, keeper. Uh, then Roberge, uh, Alex De Silva, Yuste, Vasilou, uh, Yakolis, Aleph, Alan, uh, Zelaya, Jao Pedro, and then they'll they'll go with either Papoulis or Skimbri. All right, um, yeah, good attempt. I, yeah, I, I work hard at my research, but I, I I just I don't know the mind of the manager. However. Max might know the mind of the manager soon because he's doing an opposition view coming up with, with, with a, 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 an Apollon supporter. This is going to be cool. Y'all should check it out, all right? Plugging Max's video. Check it. Or plugging Mac, Max's interview because it could be pod as well. Yeah. So there it is. Um, so who are we going to start in this match, Mac, in this match Max? It, 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 it's just as, as difficult to predict as their lineup, to be honest. You know, formation-wise, is something that I'm, I'm struggling with as well. Because you know, that I had the initial thought that maybe we might experiment with a three at the back with Big Sam being in charge. Now, you know, yeah. you, that just seems like an, an experiment too far. And I think you know, it, it'll try and enforce a system. For all players to kind of abide by, yeah, and you know, like we said, there, there will be a lot of changes, but I can't imagine the system to be that yeah. much different to to you know what we what we've seen. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, let's just attempt a team. I've got some possible starters here, and it's made up of players that haven't been playing as much. However, mm-hmm. some of these players have to play, all right, because we don't have really any other option, all right? There's two positions in particular where we are remarkably thin, where I feel like our normal starters are maybe going to have to start. Unless they, uh, no, but, but Europa League, you have a specific registered team, so we can't bring up U23s, right? So, um, I'll rattle off mine. You can rattle off some of your own if you want, or you can just agree. All right. Um, I think. uh, I think we're both both on the same kind of wavelength about this. I think (laughs) we're we're expecting a lot of experimentation with the starting eleven. So yeah, I do feel like there won't be much of a difference. Yeah, Uh, I think Robles is starting, and uh, I'd be totally fine with him starting. I like Robles. Mm. Let's go. Um, do we have any other right backs that are eligible that aren't John Joe Kinney or Cuco Martina? That, that's one of my thoughts. I feel like Mason Hallgate is um, Mason Hallgate might be shifted out to the right. Oh yeah, Mason Hallgate. Yeah, because I don't feel like he'll want to play Kenny before the derby. I feel like Kenny will be one of the first names on the team sheet for the derby. That is interesting, because I didn't have that down, but that is a way to go. 
You know, I've got I've got Kenny at right back and Martina at left back. I just don't know who else will play left back. Um, you're right. Colgate, Holgate is the only real alternative at right back. Um, the only thing that gave me pause about Kenny uh, playing and, and Holgate coming in for him is Holgate's been a part of that central partnership between Williams with Williams, yeah. And yeah. he's been playing a lot recently too. Yeah. So. So then again, as you say, like he has been playing a lot recently. So again, that's why I think he'd be probably be in some fun for the derby. Hmm. Yeah, either is it see that's <coughs> see that's kind of my issue is you you almost have to risk one of those young guys in yeah. this match. So regardless of who it is, it's a shame to have to do that. But more experience. We gotta think about it like that. Yeah. You know? I've got his center back. I've got Keen and Jags, assuming Jags is fit. Um just because let's get Keen getting some confidence back. You know? Let's let's get him back to form. Um, and Jags just needs to play because he needs the confidence too. <laughs> you know, um, so that's the defense. Uh, my my center mids, I believe he said that he's hinted that he's going to give McCarthy a run. So I think McCarthy will be in, and I would even maybe say Besich is in. You know, I wouldn't be completely averse to McCarthy, Besich, and Clausen being kind of that that middle. The three, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think what definitely Clasen would be included for me. I think yeah. Besic would be in the squad definitely. And the, the, with McCarthy, it, it can't, it's hard to gauge with McCarthy because his injuries kind of just spring out of nowhere. Yeah. So like you kind of you see him and he's not he's not in the squad and you just think oh that's his hamstring gone again. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, you know. He, he he was a very strong player when he first came to us. So you know, it, it, play him. Hope he reconjures some of that form. Yeah, his. I'm worried his hamstrings are like a legit chronic problem. I, yeah. I'm worried it's just gonna be that way. Um, yeah, I, I hate that because you're right. When he came in, he looked really good. Uh, I'm hoping we can. Honestly, I'm just hoping he can play some. That's yeah. all. Just play some. Just play. have one game. Don't get hurt, dude. You know? Um, in my front three, Sandro, Lookman, Vlasic. Those are players that I feel like deserve some time, and they could bring us some success. And I think I don't think – I don't know that Apollon can really <laughs> stay with them, to be honest. I, I, I agree. I don't feel like it's worth me rocking on again because I, I, I agree. Um, an interesting thought I've got coming into this game is Tom Davies because I've no I noted in in the Huddersfield game, Davies was playing in almost a more advanced role, being told to you know try and push on a bit more and create something. So I I don't know whether that's kind of the start of a new beginning for him in in, mm-hmm. in, such, in such a sense that um he'll be experimented on or saved and maybe given that role against Liverpool. You know, big mm-hmm. responsibility, but. The more local lads to have in that lineup for the derby, you know, the more they understand what it means. But at the same, you know, it, it just kind of it's, it's, it's kind of counter argument after counter argument. You think, you know, if you include the local lads in the derby, are they going to just shatter under the pressure? Do we play some of the lads that haven't played in the derby before mm-hmm. to make you know get that kind of brush of fresh fresh air? You know, yeah. So I I, I pretty much agree with your with your lineup. Um, yeah, I, to see Bessic in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I, as far as that 
the the derby coming up this Sunday. You know, I think it's very likely Sam changes nothing again. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Because the way I always view it, I catch Rooney and, and Davies both kind of playing right or left, gay a little bit farther back than the other two. It's like a little triangle a lot of times, you know? So it's it's a midfield three, but and they're not playing on the wing, but they definitely seem to be on one side or another. They cover, you know? cover a lot of ground. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, all right, well... Those are our thoughts thoughts on uh, our possible team. What's our prediction? What do you think, man? What's going to happen? I'm going to I'm going to go for it, you know, keep keep up a bit the bit of positivity that I'm living off at the minute. I'm going to go for 2-0 the Blues again. Wow. You've you've gone with a bigger scoreline than I have. I feel almost embarrassed for being as conservative with my score. Uh I'm going with a a 1 to 2 win as in we will be I've done that right. I always get this mixed up because we don't do scores the way y'all do. <laughs> the away team is the or the home team is the first score, right? Yeah. And the away team is the second. Okay. Yeah. So we we do one. Okay. Hold on, because we're playing at their place, right? Yep. So you've you gone for the Everton two one win. Okay. So I thought it would be one two. I'm confused. <laughs> It doesn't take much. Yeah, we just don't do it that way. I remember I gave my score one time, and Edward's like, oh, no, you mean one to two. And I'm like, ah, sure, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I get for trying to be proper. <laughs> you know what's funny? Normal people would cut this out, but I think I might leave it in. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, both of us predicting wins. Uh, that's good. Hey, what what a time to be alive. All right, so um, I guess that's that's our Apollon preview. Unless you've got anything else? Nope. Just after, after the after the news today, we've got some big games, really yeah. big games coming up. Um, so yeah, we will obviously have that in mind going yeah. to to going to Cyprus. <sighs> yeah, I just want to see. I want to see these guys who haven't got much time. I want to see them play well. I don't. I may be expecting too much. I just want to see them give a good account of themselves, yeah. make themselves a part of the conversation on weekends. That'd be great, you know. So, um, all right. Well, that is it for our Apollon preview, and that's it for our big show. If you're listening via podcast, thanks. That's just great. Why don't you also subscribe to that podcast and rate it if your platform allows you to. Also, please subscribe to the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. Like, comment, give us some comments. What do you think? What do you expect of the Apollon match? All right? Dead rubber. It's a weird one. Could be fun, though. All right? Um, uh, also, uh, check out Max's writing on the Toffee Blues website. All right? He, does a, he, he covers a wide variety of topics, but they're all Everton, you know. But, you know, players, match reviews, match reactions, player ratings. You know, all that kind of stuff. He's everywhere, all right? Um, also, I mentioned the Toffee Blues website. You should go there. There's all kinds of stuff there, all right? Uh, check out the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of the social media, all right? Yeah, I think I'm finished plugging, all right? Max, thanks so much, man. And, uh, yeah, everybody, uh, we'll see you later. Bye. Adios.